0: Radio Days Africa podcast is brought to you by the Vids Radio Academy. Three, two. Radio. 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 Radio Days Africa 2020 is about to go live.
1: Welcome to it. It's day 20 of Radio Days Africa 20. My name is Clema and I am the moderator for the final session. And they always say we're saving the best for last. So I'm excited about that. This session is Improvise and Innovate Radio Post 2020. So we've been having lots of conversations around radio, the past, the present. And hopefully this conversation will take us to the future. That's what we're aiming to do. Before we get started, I want to let you know and invite you to the fact that you can ask a question to any one of our panelists all you need to do is click on the QA tab at the bottom of the screen, type in your question there and hopefully I'll be able to get to it in the second half of this session. And I have to thank the generous sponsors that have made Radio Days Africa 2020 happen. Thank you so much um, to, of course, it's presented by Vitz Radio Academy, but it's also made possible through the generous support of the Sub-Saharan Africa media program of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation. Our event has been sponsored by Iono FM. Thank you so much for the podcasting and streaming. The abundant media group for sharing the conference to community radio station software and thank you so much to CrossFade Studios. If you want to share anything that you are hearing in today's session, make sure you use the hashtag the new normal or hashtag RDA 2020. It's time now to introduce my panelists to you. We have James Cridlin, who's joining us all the way from Australia, guys. Uh, He's a radio futurologist. It's uh, 10 p.m. at night on a Friday and he's here with us. So thank you so much for joining us, James. We have Melissa Mbuhua, who is co-founder at Africa Hot Fist. She joins us from Kenya. Hello and welcome to you, um, Melissa. And turning her camera around there so nicely for us, we have Aisha Mohammed, uh, who's Marketing Director at Sony Music Entertainment Africa. Thank you guys. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, I actually want to start with you, Melissa. If you could tell us a little bit about um, Africa podfest it happened in march tell us a little bit about it and and how did this last session in march go
0: thank you thank you claire Uh, it's africa podfest and we were so ready to go for march it was going to be the continent's first regional gathering uh, around podcasting but unfortunately we you know at the 11th hour had to um, cancel it because of you know you know Travel was shutting down just the, the government um, restrictions on conferences, thanks to COVID. Um, however, we were the, the reason we set this up, um, even though a lot of people might have thought, is it too soon to be convening a festival around podcasting in Africa? We think no. My co founders, Paula Rogo and Josephine Karyanjahi, we, we noticed that across the continent, just through our own personal networks a few years back, that a lot more people were making podcasts um, and also increasingly listening to podcasts on the continent. And we know that radio is huge. Africa is an audio continent. And so we felt that the more conversations we were having with people, the more we realized now is the time to begin to make the investments, at least in networking and also doing research generating knowledge spotlighting what's happening in different parts of the continent because the future is coming you know technology is changing culture is changing the stories people want to hear are changing and it's all happening so fast so we feel now is the time to be having this sort of conversation around podcasting
1: fantastic and I mean James what uh, what has I mean, we're not going to keep it long, but what has the coronavirus pandemic taught us about um, the radio business or proved about the radio business, um, other than the fact that people are tuned in and are listening?
2: I think it's it's, uh, shown us a number of different things. I mean, firstly, uh, lots more people listening to radio online in many places, um, because there's been less commuting, there's been less listening to radio in cars, but loads more listening to radio online and um, on smart speakers in many countries and so on and so forth. So that's one thing. But I think also it's shown the real benefit that radio has. You know, radio is brilliant at um, making communities feel as one, feel together. Radio is really good at um, at uh, helping people through real problems, real issues that people have. It's a really good thing for our mental health as well. And I think radio has certainly shown itself that way um, during the um, the pandemic that we've that 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 we've had and you can clearly see if you look at some of the online audience figures you can clearly see that those are going just fantastically for radio right now and it's because people want to feel more um, associated with their community want to find out what's going on and radio is a wonderful trusted voice in actually getting that information out
1: and, I mean, to you, Aisha, in this time, what have you guys been learning as Sony Music? Um, you know, during this time, have people's behaviours changed? Have you guys? How have you guys been affected?
3: Um, I think what's nice for us is that um, I work in the business of music. So the reality is that um, escapism is still very much in the front uh, of many people's minds at this time. And music is so emotive and is, and, and has, has the ability to really move people in such a way. So I think that I'm blessed in that respect. But I think what we've seen more than anything else is that from a from a marketing perspective, our strategy is about to change just in terms of our approach. So how it is that we are actively targeting um, audiences is obviously very, very different. How it is that we are in US, past. It's been an exciting and, and, and interesting time just in terms of, like, thinking out the box and thinking about how it is that we can um, – Kind of actively target the market in a way in which it's not also uh, saturated and boring. I mean, I think that you would have seen a lot of interest just in terms of artists and their and their and their and their offering from a live perspective. So, what what um, the live business? What has happened to the live business and how big and important it? And, and, and like how big and important it is for them just in terms of the, the fact that they aren't able to perform live so we've definitely kept up in terms of like our um, release scheduling and kind of like the release of music and the release of singles and the release of albums and set albums etc but the how in terms of like the marketing of those products has become very very different and has become a little bit more strategic and a lot more digital um, and then the live aspect of that has completely changed so whilst you were able to release um, a single or an album with a big live kind of offering associated with it and that being a big part of kind of like the marketing engine behind it because you're able to perform and you know music with music the performance is almost everything you know in terms of being able to connect with your audience and that being taken away and now kind of the options around um, live streaming and the fact that you know have to perform with nobody in front of you and you're performing almost, you know, completely digitally. And there is an audience. There's, a, there's an audience that's sitting there that has actually, you know, opted in per se, maybe to even buy, uh, buy a ticket to watch you live or to watch it for free on different platforms. Is a very, very different approach, but it's also brought about a new way of thinking and brought about kind of like a new way for us to kind of um, access audiences, but in a in a way in which it makes sense for us at this time in a safe and you know in, a, in a
1: environment. I mean, James, you travel the world talking about the future of radio um, and what we've been listening to across all of these sessions for Radio Days Africa 2020. I think we want to know what can Africa teach the rest of the world or what can the rest of the world learn from African radio?
2: Oh, I think there's many things. So I've one of the things that I've really enjoyed doing over the last uh, um, over the last many years that I have been travelling until recently, uh, obviously, um, has been learning about radio across the world. And, you know, radio in Africa, whether it's um, some of the fantastic stations that I've listened to in uh, Joburg when I've been there or in, uh, or in other parts uh, of Africa, in uh, Kumasi in Ghana, which was an incredible place to learn about radio and to learn about what radio stations are doing there and in Accra as well. Um, and in fact, up there is a picture from the from from accra when i was there about 10 years or so ago um so you know i've i've learned an awful lot there's a wonderful stat which i learned at radio days africa a long long time ago which is that there are more radios in africa than there are mattresses and i think that's an incredible stat because it really shows the power of radio the power of what radio can do and you know just being able to communicate being able to help communities uh in many different parts uh of the continent is a is a tremendous thing and i think you know many uh radio countries particularly in the us where they've really lost their way in terms of remembering why radio is so important and so successful um you know, radio in the US could learn an awful lot from the way that African radio really understands who the listener is, who is tuning into this particular station, what community there is there, and what you can actually communicate uh, to them. So I think African radio has a tremendous amount that it can actually share with the rest of the world.
1: And Melissa, I mean, you 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 spoke about whether having a podcast festival may be too soon, but... What types of creatives are coming out? I mean, uh, how do we compare with the offerings that are coming out from the rest of the world in terms of the people uh, that came together at the festival or who are actually producing podcasts on the continent? What type of information are we sharing? What are people needing from podcasts on the continent?
0: Yes, so what we found actually um, from, from all our work online and also organizing the festival, and we've also done some events prior to the festival, is that we've been attracting a lot of independent makers, um, independent voices, small media companies or you know hobbyists. So, and at least in the context of, let me specifically hone in on Kenya, um, podcasts have come up to cater to the voices that have been ignored or put on the margins by radio. Um, and I'm referring now back to what James mentioned about how we, we need to remember what makes radio so powerful It keeps it so powerful in connecting people. Um, and I, I feel that in Africa, that's what, that's the sort of gap that podcasts have begun to fill is being the space and the platform for the medium for um, alternative, marginalized voices, independent voices.
1: I mean, when I used to work in radio, um, Aisha, I knew that the radio station was always very friendly. Um, with the record labels and the record companies. Uh, We'd see each other quite often. People would be walking around with CDs. It was a beautiful relationship. Can you tell me what the relationship is like now? Uh, And I mean, going forward, how that relationship between radio stations and record companies will be. Also because you were once with us. You were were one of us once upon a time. Then you crossed over.
3: So you and me, it right. I said we'll always be. I don't know about one of us. We'll always be, right? I think like it's a symbiotic relationship that will exist forever. I think the reality of what it is that that, that music discovery is is that um, that relationship between radio and record companies is symbiotic, and it doesn't matter. Um, In terms of like how it is that we like access so like doesn't matter that there's a number of streaming services that will that will continue to pop up and that um, Will provide more and more opportunity for people to access music I think the reality is that music discovery in South Africa radio plays a big big part of that and our relationship still remains strong and solid Um, radio is a big part of our approach it's a big part of how it is that we can offer um, our repertoire you know, to, to audiences, that relationship remains very strong and we take it very, very seriously. You know, we pride ourselves on a lot of the relationships that we've got. We've developed those um, over time. So it's really, really nice to see. But I think that more than anything, I think that the way in which we're working maybe has changed. So maybe the, like if I had to say, if I take from my own experience, um, just in terms of my time at uh, at 5FM at I mean, that's not. that's not like even, I think it's just only shy of just over five years ago. But that just in that short space of time, if I think about how it is that we service record companies then and how record companies work with radio now, that in itself is so, so different. But it's because it's developed and evolved in a different way because access has become different. And how it is that we are able to um, connect audiences with music is different. And access in the way in which artists are delivering music is different. So international artists, artists don't necessarily drop music the way they did even just a year ago, it's, it's different. If you look at just Beyonce today and just how it is that she dropped a, her, her, her new video, that's just an example of how it is that she's going to drop a new body of work through a visual medium as opposed to an audio medium uh, tomorrow that everyone will see is just like something very simple and showing that like an artist of her nature and her size is already changing the way in which she's approaching her marketing mix, it tells you that that relationship has changed. So where she's going to audio, um, where she's going to video before audio is interesting. But then, in other cases, in terms of local artists, how it is that we are releasing music is radio is still at the forefront of that. So, so being first and and, and first time plays, and all that still does exist. So there's a little combination of like what we knew and what we were we, we cemented with relationships with record companies over time. That still, that still does exist, but then there's also a lot of new ways of doing things and there's a bit of an evolution that's happening because of the immediacy and the choice and the variety and the access. All of those things play a big part um,
1: in the relationship. I'm spending way too much time on TikTok um, and so because I am, no judgment. I'm hearing some music for the first time on TikTok. So I'm, I mean, from you, Aisha, you know, does, does radio still make the music? Does radio still make the, the, the artist and the superstar or are people finding other channels where they actually discovering artists or, you know, music is made on, on other platforms?
3: I don't know if, I don't know if we can actually honestly say music is made anywhere now. I think music is made everywhere. That's kind of like, my the common theme. I think that TikTok is a big part of what we do. It definitely forms a big part of our strategy. I mean, there are artists purely that have been signed with big big labels like Epic and Columbia, etc., purely just based on their success on TikTok. So, so music is made everywhere. So It can be. It can be. Lo- it, it can be really, I mean, a track can be become big from radio. It can, can be, It can become a success from YouTube can become a success from TikTok. It can, it can become a success from Apple Music, Spotify. It doesn't matter. I think where we're retrieving and where we're accessing music from is, is all relative at the moment because there's so many platforms and opportunities and ways in which we can access music. But the fact for me is that it will come to you as um, as a consumer of music and a lover of music in some or other way, which I think is really, really great. So I think that we've got more access and opportunity and variety in how it is that you access music. But I think that radio still forms a big part of that because the reality of what radio can do for music and how it is that it can... Um, introduce or kind of set the tone on 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 on, on, a, on a specific taste so specifically when you have like a tastemaker' able to deliver a specific sound to an audience is still a very very big part of how um audiences can actually access it so for me it's not necessarily always about the how but it's about the like or well, how it's being um, you know um received but more about the fact that we' we've got more option to receive it.
1: James, things are changing all the time. Uh, you know, as Aisha is talking, I'm thinking there, there's always new things coming up, new social media platforms. What region would you say is a leader when it comes to R and D, especially in the radio space? Uh, and what makes that region? What puts them ahead of the rest?
2: I think that's a very difficult question to to answer. And I think uh, when you look at um, what different uh, continents, what different markets are doing in radio then all of them are doing slightly different and interesting things you know i'm you can tell from my Uh, English accent that I come from the UK. Uh, The UK has been doing some really fascinating work around personalized radio. Um, When you're listening online, you get a slightly different experience to when you listen on on FM. Um, So there's some very interesting things going on there. Um, You look into here in Australia, where um, the whole idea of taking a brand and making three, four, five different radio stations around that brand, still keeping somebody in the same sort of feeling radio station, but, you know, one radio station that might play 90s music, one radio station that might play oldies, but they're all part of the same family you know all of that is going on here in australia uh, but we're seeing you know some tremendous you know examples there was an example last year at radio days asia um of the seychelles who was doing some fascinating work with a uh, clever app which allowed Anyone um, who was listening to the radio station, uh, enabled to, you know, get their voices on that station. Um, And so I think, you know, there's some there's some tremendous ideas coming all over the uh, the 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 place. The one thing that I would probably caution um, is to not fall into the same trap as the Americans have of thinking that your radio is the best. And therefore, you've got nothing to learn from the rest of the world. That's a big mistake. And I think those countries that have done that and those uh, markets that have uh, done that have really felt um, why that's been such a mistake uh, to them. So I think keeping your mind open, looking around and seeing what's going on in the radio industry as a whole, you know, is a really interesting thing. And that, that I, I suppose, is one of the things that I've learned from you know, speaking at radio conferences in uh, places like Malaysia and in China and in Germany and in Canada, where there are always brilliant ideas. Um, There are always ideas that you think, well, actually, that country is doing it better. But there are always brilliant ideas that you can actually have a look at and go, wow, why isn't anybody doing that in the UK, in South Africa, you know, in Canada. Um, So lots and lots to learn from across the world, I think.
1: And how many of those radio stations actually have an internal R and D department? I mean, I've worked at radio stations where they have, and and they fund it, and it's hugely important to have our own R and D section for our for our audience, and mm. um, and other radio stations don't. So you know, how, is it important? Is it necessary? Does it give you the edge?
2: Well, one of, one of the things that I did when I worked at the original Virgin Radio out of London, one of the things that I was told to do was James, one of your jobs. Is that every three months we need a press release about how clever we are and how technologically advanced we are literally that was my that was one of my um, things that I had to end up doing, and that was incredibly liberating because it meant that you could go out and try things, and we could go out we were the first radio station. Um, to broadcast uh, on a Nintendo Wii games machine. Completely pointless. Nobody listened to the radio on that, but nevertheless, it was a great press release. Whereas we were also the first radio station to have our own uh, mobile phone streaming app in March of 2005. No one else had one of those. We were the first. And in January of 2005, first radio station to produce a daily podcast, which nobody else was doing uh, in the UK, certainly at that time. So I think sometimes it's great to fail and sometimes it's great to try new things because you never know what might work. Um, That radio app, by the way, for the first two years, had i think maybe if we were really lucky six people using it at the same time so it was tiny 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 and then all of a sudden it grew and grew and grew and by the time i left the radio station 10 years ago they had over ten thousand people tuning in uh, during the day online so you can really see that you know th- some of these things are very slow to grow um, but if you keep on trying things if you keep on trying new ideas Um, then you never know what's going to work and what isn't going to work.
1: Talking about those, about great ideas and getting ideas from different places. I mean, Melissa, you work with a lot of creatives on the continent. Are we collaborating enough as Africans? What should we be doing? What can we be doing when it just comes to collaboration um, between
0: um, the different regions? Yeah, so there is collaboration happening within countries, or, you know, within cities. So like Joba, Cape Town, Nairobi, Accra, um, Dar es Salaam. And what we are trying to do and what, what we notice is that there isn't much cro- across cities. So we get a lot of information about what's happening in the media scene, you know, from outside Africa, just because that's the information that's available on, online um you know it's it's much easier to know what's going on with spotify <laughs> than it is to know what's going on with IONO, for example if you're someone who is sitting in africa you wouldn't even realize that there's such a thing that exists um, as IONO. and who knows so at this point we are really at uh, we're really staring at an open road and we don't know what there is um yet uh, we don't know enough to say for example um which which city is the hottest, brightest. Well, we know that this, South Africa is quite advanced in the podcasting scene that, that we know <laughs> um, already, but um, there isn't enough collaboration happening yet. And this is one of the, the, the activities that we're so passionate, like I'm so passionate about getting people to connect. Um, and we're trying to figure out, especially this year when so many new kind of habits and a new way of thinking um, is emerging and doing stuff you know, online, leveraging the internet. We're thinking about ways to connect. And I think we need to make investments, even, um, you know, just as existing media practitioners need to make investments to connect and collaborate with the alternatives, the people in the margins, the young people who are on TikTok, because that's a completely different mindset, actually, um, of, of of telling stories, that mindset that TikTok is showing us. Mm-hmm. from gen z got right. a question that i just was uh,
1: for you actually melissa coming from paula rogo thank you so much for your questions um paula is asking is there any research and development
0: work being done in podcasting right so there's a there's a bit of work happening um, already well so we've done some work some research um research work into audiences i know that uh, there's some companies like iono has um data from you know from the platform that they've been sort of sharing i think even shared um, during radio days um there's some um, journalists who are working on on stories and research across the continent at this point though it's still very you know you find little spots of of data from across the continent uh, so that's something else that requires a lot of investment um, i think is over the next the next year like 2021 onwards is a lot more investment into understanding you see for example um, we can tell and you can quickly find online numbers about how podcasting has changed you know just looking at like apple podcasts and spotify how many new podcasts have come up this year how the listenership has changed thanks to covid but then you don't have this sort of information about africa um, so there's a hole there that, that needs filling if we're going to innovate smartly, you know, have some kind of basis to innovate. I've got
1: another question from Paula Rogo. It's for you, Aisha. Um, and Paula asks, how has Sony's relationship with radio transitioned with the rise of audio streaming? So,
3: I mean, I think, I hope you can hear me. Yes, I can. Cool. So, I mean, I think that uh, audience streaming, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming that she, that she's referring to audience streaming um, of uh, DSPs, so like uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and then there's also obviously audience streaming just in terms of radio. So, I think that where where our relationships um, exist with radio, they've continued. So, uh, whether whether a radio station, um, whether, whether whether audiences access it through a traditional way, whether they are accessing it through their streaming. Their streaming uh, capabilities etc you know it doesn't really matter for us our relationship just remains the same and then where where we are where we are competing with obviously um or not necessarily competing with but where there are um opportunities for um audiences to access this music through apple music and a spotify and a, and, a, and 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 other dsps versus radio i think that we are we are we as radios, as um, a record company, we find ourselves in a situation where we work very comfortably with both. So you find that there is a definitely a rise just specifically in South Africa, um, as well as in Africa, actually, um, around access to um, the likes of DSPs, like Apple Music, Spotify, and the way in which people are consuming music and at a rate that is growing at a very, very rapid rate, actually, and with our own local digital service providers also coming into the market and growing very, very aggressively um, within the space. But like I said earlier, the, the reality is that radio still forms are a very, very big part of our market, a very big part of um, kind of uh, setting the tone or kind of creating uh, an, an explorative um, opportunity for people to access music. Um, definitely a great um, kind of like a, a, a great a great platform in, in um, allowing opportunity around Tastemakers to um, be very very select and specific about specific kinds of genres. Um, so I think that is definitely radio Soul has a very very big part to play, and I think it has a different part to play as compared to a streaming service. I think streaming services do what they do in their own spaces, and I think radio still has a very unique and 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 um, kind of immediate but very like. Um, key kind of trust relationship with its audiences that maybe less, like a streaming service don't necessarily have. But so I think they each play in their own spaces in very different ways. But I, what I love about it is that as a record company it's options for music discovery. So it doesn't necessarily matter like how you're discovering it. It's also dependent on how you like to consume it.
1: Remember you can ask any one of our panelists a question just uh, write your question in the Q&A section and I'll make sure to get to it. Now, James, DAB plus is a new buzzword what is that about?
2: Could you explain what that is? Well, so there are lots of different ways of broadcasting radio, and FM is clearly uh, the one that most people will have uh, heard of. Uh, AM, of course, going on uh, across uh, much of uh, Europe as well. And then you've got additional ways of broadcasting radio. So that way might be Uh, broadcasting uh, in uh, DAB. It might be broadcasting in something that the Americans call HD. It might be um, broadcasting in another way that the Japanese call ISDB, which is very exciting. But um, essentially uh, DAB Plus means that you can fit much more radio stations on the air. Um, you need to go out and buy a brand new radio, and those radios um, are about $20 plus. So, you know, there is cost to your listener um, to actually end up doing that. Um, But um, the way that that's worked in many countries, particularly in the UK, uh, which has used DAB for a long time, and here in Australia, where we've used DAB Plus for uh, some time as well, Is that it essentially means you get about three times the amount of choice of stations. Now you might sit there and think, well, I'm a radio station, I don't want three times the amount of choice. The good news is that, of course, you can broadcast three times the amount of radio stations if you want to. So you can actually, uh, instead of just being a uh, a radio station that plays top 40, you can launch your own oldest station. Um, you can launch your own radio stations that, that's just playing unsigned music, as many stations have done. Um, so you can actually expand the brand that you have and reach new audiences. So You know, DAB Plus is one of those interesting ways where you can start broadcasting more things as a radio station. And the real benefit of that in comparison to online is that online, of course, costs money for the listener because you have to pay for your data somehow. You have to pay for your data on your mobile phone. You have to pay for your data um, if you have a broadband connection at uh, home. Whereas DAB radio is just like broadcasting. Uh, fm or other ways of broadcasting radio it doesn't use data it's just um it's just a speaker and a, and a and an aerial and that's all it basically is um but it does mean real opportunities if you're radio broadcasters and also of course real opportunities if you're a radio listener as well
1: so it shouldn't be seen as a threat actually as an
2: opportunity it, it, it depends it depends um, what you consider as threats. So, um, I mean, clearly, if uh, your competitive, if your competitor has launched um, many more radio stations on DAB+, for example. Um, then you're going to lose out. So you need to make sure that you are competing with them on this new platform as you would compete with them on any new uh, new uh, platform. Um, but on the other hand, you know, there are many other things out there that are also threats. You know, everything from Spotify and Deezer uh, and those sorts of services um, to the music channels that you can pick up on DSTV, to the music channels uh, that you can pick up in many other ways as well. So um you know the the world is full of, of 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 competition of course um but dab can also be a real opportunity for you as a broadcaster i think one of the real benefits of course is that because you are broadcasting because it is a transmitter um it means that you are in control of it um And that's not the case, of course, if you're broadcasting online. You are basically, um, it's up to tune in whether or not they'll list you or up to whatever app that you're on. Um, And that's not necessarily a good thing. So um, being in control of your own destiny as you you, uh, are when you have an FM transmitter or you are when you have a DAB transmitter, you know, is really useful. And, of course, there's DRM as well, which is yet another way of broadcasting radio and i think what what's important here in whatever country you are is making sure that the regulator the government um is uh aiming for the same technology as you are as a broadcaster um because there's nothing that will switch your audience off more than um than one radio station wanting dab and one radio station talking about online and then another radio station talking about drm That'll, that's never going to work so you know Focusing on one solution if you want more stations on the air is always a useful thing.
1: And Melissa, I mean, one of the barriers to to our podcast listening growing in South Africa is just the high price of data, um, you know, and, and we're very conscious about that. Um, and, and I mean, you know, we just spoke about threats now with James and everything is a threat. Do you consider podcasting a threat to radio and is also, you know, what are some of the challenges or the barriers of people actually, you know, uh, listening to more podcasts more often?
0: Right. Um, I don't think that podcasting is a threat to radio by by way of it will decimate radio. It's more of a... Um, Kind of expansion of the audio universe and what's possible, right? So it's up to, so it's up to the existing like radio industry to figure out um, investments into um, meeting the needs and the demands of audiences that as they evolve. Um, as as uh, as it pertains to barriers to to access, definitely internet access um, and the high cost of that is. Is a barrier and so um, as it stands you know the the digital divide as it's called um where internet access is essentially defined by socioeconomic economic status that's still a barrier for podcasting you know simply put um, and so that's one of the really interesting areas um, to innovate and a few a few actually um podcasters have already begun to innovate i know in east africa there's the afro queer podcast we're distributing on whatsapp i know in uh, out of south africa there's volume um, with the what's crap on whatsapp um, podcast so those are some interesting early um, experiments that we're beginning to see that would be interesting to learn from and then also um, i think we should also start thinking about taking a step back and thinking even about the technology itself, like distribution technology. Um, And and by this, I mean, outside of just thinking about the existing channels um, that use that leverage the internet, for example. So could we be built, essentially what I'm saying is could we be building um, whatever will become the next big podcast or audio distribution um, technology out of Africa right now that will bypass some of those challenges with internet access. That said, there's also um, some interesting new um, developments coming out um, like the Google Loon. Google recently launched the uh, hot air, well, balloons essentially um, in remote parts of Kenya, uh, and this is a big, grand experiment. This is the first country they're trying it in this year to extend internet connectivity and hopefully also cheapen access to internet connectivity. So, there's we are at the precipice of so much, and the question more questions than answers. But you know that's precisely why we're having this conversation, and why we need to have more um, conversations like this, and also to put our money where our mouths are when it comes to experimenting and investing in collaborative. Um, experiments
1: the questions are coming in and the next one is uh, for James please this question comes from David Bishop and he asks or he says a colleague and I were joking earlier about us soon being expected to start producing TikTok news bulletins wow as a radio futurologist (laughs) what do you see the future of radio news looking like
2: well I have to say it's already been done Um, so, uh, there's a radio station in, uh, here in Australia that was playing around with Instagram news bulletins a couple of years ago. Um, there's also a radio station in the UK. Um, and I uh, played this video a couple of years ago at Radio Days in Johannesburg. Um, who are doing a bunch of really good video news bulletins on their facebook pages um, and that works fantastically well and they 've and they 've worked out a very cheap and sensible way of of uh, doing it and I think this basically comes down to Um, what you think of yourself as. Do you think of yourself as a radio station? And is a radio station something that broadcasts on FM and that broadcasts live uh, and that's it? Or do you think of yourself as a community service in audio and you happen to have FM, but you also happen to be podcasting, you're using Facebook, you're using all kinds of other technology, you're using the right social media tool for your country and for your audience. um, And maybe that's where the future is. So I think, uh, yeah, you know, um, we we can sort of laugh about the whole idea of a TikTok news bulletin, probably not danced, although I have actually seen, I have genuinely seen a (laughs) radio news bulletin with dancing in it, probably not for this uh, of of what 's going on right now, but anyway um but uh yeah, you know different ways of doing uh news is always a good thing and and you know i mean obviously, if you look at. Uh, The way that the BBC is doing it, you can either get the very authoritative uh, BBC World Service five minute news bulletin at the top of the hour, which is um, excellently put together. But it's just what you expect the BBC to sound like. Or you can get the the BBC Minute, which is a really good, quick, snappy piece of uh, audio specifically built for younger audiences. So if the BBC are doing it, then probably other stations ought to be as well.
1: We've got a comment from Ruona Mayer who says uh, Germany's national news bulletin also uses TikTok. And we think that the Germans are so serious. So that's great news. <laughs> um, <laughs> no shade. Um, I mean, I think it all, it all ends up, you know, it kind of filters to the type of leadership that you have yeah, within a radio station. You say, if they're encouraging you to think think broadly about who you are. I like the fact that you say you think of yourself as a community service. I know the radio station that I used to work with, one of them used to say, we are a lifestyle brand. We need to cater to somebody's lifestyle and reach them wherever they're trying to access us. So I think leadership uh, and creativity and moving forward really needs innovative thinkers and and great leaders in those spaces. Um, Aisha, I mean... In terms of being on the music side, do we have enough um, media leadership? Uh, is there a void in media leadership? Are people thinking innovatively when we're thinking about the future uh, and, and music across the different platforms?
3: I think it's for me personally, I've always been a, a champion of innovation and just kind of thinking differently. And I I think it's because I come from the school of 5FM. So 5FM is <laughs> critical in kind of, you know, it was it was critical in kind of like, um, allowing me it gave me many opportunities and it allowed me one of the things that definitely allowed me was the opportunity to think differently. And working in a youth market space almost forces you um, kind of in that in that direction. And I think what I love about um, working in the media space specifically or working in music, is that it allows us the opportunity to, to think differently every single day. What I would love to see just in terms of an industry perspective is definitely a lot more innovation and a lot more creativity in the how. I'm less strung up about, about def- like for me personally, I come from a radio background, so it's not necessarily just about the music, but it's, I'm less strung up about defending radio to the, to the very end and saying that, you know what? Um, it's radio or nothing. For me, I'm, I'm, I'll speak very much more not what James said, no, no, it's about, more about how it is that you, you see yourself as a radio station. And I'm more about like putting forward a more like a marketing approach and more of a marketing powerhouse where you say how your access is not necessarily as, as important as what we are able to offer. And, and 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 I feel exactly the same about music. It's it's not for me so much about how you're accessing it, but the fact that you that you're able to access it and you're accessing it in different ways. Um, for me, radio is such a big part, and it's so much uh, the content side of it and the creation side of it and the marketing side of it is so important that 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 there's so many avenues in which a radio station, if you want to say and call it a radio station, um, can 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 access its audiences. Is that for me, it's not necessarily again like about about the house, how you're accessing it, but what the offering is and how what the attraction factor is and how engaging and exciting it is to actually engage with the radio station. You know, I, I see it less of a station in its traditional form and more of like a content powerhouse or marketing powerhouse who can give you credible, creative, exciting content at any given time, whether that is music content, talk content, documentaries, whatever it is. Um, but that, that it's able to, to access a specific audience in a way in which it resonates with them.
1: I mean, never before have we needed to rely on great technical teams, um, James. I mean, are, are, we, are we investing enough? Are we, are we making sure that that side of the business is robust? Um, never before have we needed those, those guys that sit in the basement to come up and uh, and help us out with the technical <laughs> side of things, are, are we investing? Are, are we investing in that side of the business enough?
2: They would be they would be delighted if you if you heard that. Now, I mean, I think one of the things that in the last uh, six months, uh, one of the things that the last six months has really shown um, is that, uh, yeah, actually. You really do need your tech team to work really hard with you and to understand what it is that you want to end up uh, doing so clearly, when you have a look at um, you know the fact that so many of our radio stations have been able to to stay on air even though many of the rJs have been at home you know that 's been fantastic that 's been a real show of how you know a great um, you know great tech techie team can actually do some fantastic things, so uh, yeah, you know i mean i think I think that you know technology more than ever has really shown itself to be a tool that radio broadcasters can use rather than something which is just there to end up saving money.
1: um a question I think is maybe for Melissa is that we're getting so much free content online. Um, I mean, is there a financial future for the creative economy when, if I can access so much good stuff for free?
0: <laughs> That's a really good question. It's an existential question for media, right? Isn't it? <laughs> it's an existential question. Uh, again, I think... we're we're on the precipice i'll just keep hammering this point sorry if it sounds like uh, you know i'm insisting on it about how much we are on the edge because we are um where james earlier on in the panel talked about how when in during his days at virgin that they developed an app that had like six users and then one day several years later it it became big so we are at that six users for the app stage even in um, terms of understanding just the, the economics of um, content online, at least in Africa, of the creative economy online. Um, so that doesn't mean that we shouldn't invest. In fact, what it means is that now is the time to start playing with, you know, tinkering, spending time in the basement, interacting more with those guys in the basement, <laughs> uh, but more than just leaving people to interact in their silos. So instead of leaving the techies to continue hanging out with themselves, the media people by themselves, we need to be cross, you know, cross pollinating hanging out a little bit more sharing ideas and making experiments um you know and th- th- when i when I say investing I, I've been talking a lot about investing during this panel. I don't even mean in terms of vast amounts of big risky um dollars put um that you know I, I'm not saying that a radio station should hive off so much money I mean just you know have conversations um with with People who are in the tech hubs, for example, have a, a session with them and, you know, challenge, listen, hmm. challenge them to, like, make something, build an app. Um, so it doesn't have to be big investments. It can be very many strategic, interesting, sort of free-spirited, um, without holding on to outcomes types of experiments because that's the, that's the place from where um, the next big things, you know, the next big tools, the next big apps will come from, um, but you, you, can't. They're not going to come without the nursery bed.
2: Um, yeah, over. I would, I would certainly agree with that. And um, you know, I mean, I think, you know, a good example is what we were talking about earlier of um, a radio station producing a news bulletin on a TikTok. And look, here is. In fact, this isn't a radio station. This is a, um, this is a, a magazine producing a news bulletin on TikTok. So we were talking about it earlier. I thought I'd share it. There's a thing.
1: That's amazing,
2: yeah, isn't it? Just <laughs> and there's some audio with it as well, of bad. course.
1: Now I don't feel so bad. I'm not like the oldest person on TikTok.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed.
1: I mean, I I do believe that some of the most innovative ideas come out of really really tough times where people might not have much, and you have to think creatively to to you know just to bring about a solution. And I don't think. You know this time of the pandemic is any different you know um we're in times of a recession around the world a pandemic and lockdowns around the world um so i'm very curious to find out from each one of you what changes do you expect to come out of these turbulent times in your individual spaces i'm also quite aware that you know um our behavior might have changed during this limited time of lockdown but as things do return to normal will the behavior we have witnessed in the last three or four months. Um, will there be a bit of a hybrid between um, BC, before Corona, and, and, and now? Um, will there be a hybrid between, uh, for example, Aisha? you spoke a lot about at the beginning, about the live events and how important and crucial the live events are. Will there be a hybrid between the offerings that have come out during these times of lockdown and the actual live event what, what do you foresee going forward uh, in your space post 2020 uh,
3: um for me personally just I mean I think if I say just if I can start talking just like just from a radio perspective, I think for me, how I see it is that um, I feel like and this is definitely something that I've just not kind of noted. In, in in lockdown, and kind of like how we've seen businesses evolve, right? So, what what traditionally not, what was traditionally, as an example, an online store selling something specific became a delivery service for food in lockdown because they realized that they actually have a platform. You know, you don't necessarily have a product, but they have a platform that suddenly becomes very desirable for people overnight because people need delivery service. Whilst they not necessarily, they've had food options, they suddenly found themselves in the food business. So they didn't start out as a food business, but then they became a food business because the reality is that they had an engine to deliver a product that everybody wanted. And I see kind of the same thing from, and that, that's innovation, right? And I see the same thing kind of from a radio perspective. I, see, I tend to think that we might find ourselves in a situation where big businesses are involved in radio per se that not necessarily were some maybe like a a platform or a business that we would have thought would have been involved in radio before, because we're looking at it differently because we're now looking at it as a content platform and an opportunity to engage with audiences in a different way where it's not radio, because the reality is that radio is like a label and and, and what it offers is actually about so much more than that, you know? So I think that there's going to be, for me, uh, it's an exciting time as well, because I think that we're going to see a lot of change in the way in which we're approaching things might not be as traditional as we would have seen in the last in the last while because of the amount of change and the rapid change that is happening. I think in the live business side, the reality is that we I don't think we will see live um, in this country for at least another two years. And, and 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 I'm talking about international live. So like we've definitely seen from Live Nation as well as big concerts, a lot of communication, and there's just a two around bringing international acts to our country. Um, and that's not that's outside of local. So from a local perspective, and we work with a lot of local artists in terms of like the approach. And because we're in the specific situation, they've already had to look at alternate, alternative a, alternative ways of making money and alternative ways of of, of li- like making sure that their livelihood is protected. And what was their life? What was live business for them? A big what? Well, what is live? Obviously, performances was a big part of what that was. Was it's already it's already being relooked and kind of like in the how? I think that. The reality, in terms of like the live streaming option, um, will also have its will also have its have its time in the sun and and will also fade. I think that that we will potentially see ourselves moving to something even further than that because I think that even in the live stream opportunity, there is a certain amount of fatigue that is involved in that because there is just so much access and I think that even we can see it now. We are at the, we are at the peak of this um, of this. Um, of of our of our um, of the curve and like kind of where we are in terms of the infection, the rate of infection is at its highest, um, and we we'll potentially see it going down soon. But the reality is that even at this peak, there is just so much access. Everybody's going live on Insta. Everybody's got a live stream opportunity. Everybody's got um, uh, the access to give you content as and when you need it. So there is just so much option and just so much variety. So even in that comes a little bit of fatigue. So I think even past that, we might see. Uh, opportunity for innovation in different areas when when audiences stabilize again and when when life comes back to what we regard as a new normal i think we will find ourselves in different situations at different times i think that the opportunity for us is obviously to remain agile and remain open and remain innovative in thought and in process and in the way in which we are able to provide content to provide opportunity and provide entertainment because i think that it's going to be an it's going to be an evolving thing i don't think there's one Like I don't think it's like there's nothing hard and fast about it. I think it's just going to evolve as time goes, and we are going to have to remain agile in the way in which we are able to offer that. So whilst live stream is an opportunity now, we are on board and we can offer that. When we move to the next phase, we can you know we as long as we are agile and have the ability to engage and interact, I think there's always going to be a thirst and a desire to be entertained, and um, and escapism is obviously at the heart of what it is right now. But uh, being able to entertain is always going to be such a privilege, right? So, so, so um, um, and being able to be in that space is always going to be exciting. But how we, how we uh, utilize the opportunity to do so will change, I think, uh, in
1: different ways over time. And to you, Melissa, you know, going forward when you think uh, post-2020, uh, w- what innovations,
0: what are you seeing um, will be different? Yeah, definitely. There's there's going to be a lot more investment in well, (laughs) not investment, but a lot more strengthening of structures that allow us to, for example, uh, do live performance, um, have festivals online, simply because we've now recognize and experience that it's possible. And then, of course, from the business end of it, um, organizers have realized, oh, we can actually gather a lot more people with a lot less money, using a lot less money. Uh, but at the same time, in as much as we've had this high pressure um, moment where we've had to test what else is possible in, a, you know, when we have restricted movement, even in our consumption, um, like information and media, including audio consumption habits and so on, um, there's no substitute for, you know, person to person um, engagement and just, you know, life, our human nature. So I I think we're going to end up in a sort of middle ground somewhere along the spectrum of remote, um, you know, online and offline. And so some things are going to become normal, like having mixed, uh, mixed release, like gigs that are Partly online, partly offline, Um, of course, like um, stuff like audio, even even how radio and media companies think um, about mixing the the existing broadcast methods versus like online and going on social and so on. So I think we're going to end up somewhere along that spectrum. (laughs) But next year is going to be a year, I think, of strengthening infrastructure. Uh, because this year caught us by surprise, but you know, as businesses go go out and plan and prepare um, to strengthen their systems, we're going to see some interesting new launches. I think the next year will be full of like launches <laughs> of new products. <laughs> James, you're the first radio futurologist I've met, so
1: this is super exciting because you're going to tell us what radio post 2020 is going to look like and sound like. Are you ready? You and your fancy <laughs> room in the corner. <laughs>
2: well. Well, we'll see. Um, I mean, I, I mean, I think first and foremost, I think that uh, what this year has already taught us is that radio is resilient. Radio is really needed by communities. Um, radio has played a tremendous part in mental health uh, across the world of helping people feel connected, helping people feel part of their community and helping people be informed. And that's a tremendous and humbling place Uh, for this media uh, to be in. And I think we should probably not forget that, yes, there will be even more ways of of consuming audio in the future. 5G is coming, Uh, probably won't make any real difference, it's just a bigger pipe for the same thing that we have on 4G and on 3G, to be honest. But nevertheless, That's coming. That will change things. Um, uh, Spotify and Deezer and things like that will change things. uh, And many other um, things that haven't been built uh, will change things as well. What I would um, caution people working in radio... Um, is to not think of ourselves as an FM broadcaster and instead think of ourselves as a shared experience with a human connection. That's what radio is. It's a shared experience with a human connection. So when you're making great audio, then consider how it'll work on demand um, and think about potentially, instead of doing a live interview, which you then cut up and use on other platforms later, why don't you make it as a piece of great on-demand audio that you can also use on your live radio station? That, to me, seems much more sensible to rethink about the primacy of live and to focus instead on making great audio for everybody, however they tune in.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Yes, you are a futurologist. Yes, I agree 100%. (laughs) Thank you to each one of my panelists. That was uh, our session for this afternoon. Thank you so much uh, to James Cridlin, radio futurologist, getting me all tongue-tied, in the middle of the night in Australia. Uh, that's where he's joining us from we have aisha mohammed marketing director at sony music entertainment africa thank you so much to melissa mbogua co-founder co-founder at africa podfest kenya thank you so much to my panelists i really really do appreciate your time and your insights i want to take this opportunity to invite professor Franz kruger from vit radio academy just to say a few final words before we wrap up Radio Days Africa 2020. Prof, I mean, it's been 20 days, a lot of sessions, a lot of insights have been shared. Uh, What would you like to say? Do I have the prof on? While I wait for the prof, I'd just like to quickly thank all of our amazing sponsors who have made Radio Days Africa such a success. And um, thank you so much to the generous support of the Sub-Saharan African media program of the Conrad Adenauer Foundation, to IONO FM, the Abundant Media Group, RCS Sound Software, Crossfade Studios, all of you have made the last 20 days possible. Uh, Prof. Franz, what would you like to say on the final day, on the final session of Radio Days Africa 2020?
4: Well, thanks, Claire. And after um, such a fascinating discussion, um i uh, i mean you didn't ask me what i thought of the future but i thought i would tell you anyway i think the future is blended um i think that's what kind of what melissa said and in 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 many ways what the other panelists um had to offer i think it's um what we've seen in this conference and in some of the things that people have said is that a moment of crisis is a, is a time for innovation it's a time for for new things to be done and that's true for our conference as much as 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 anything else even six months ago, we were planning an event in exactly the same way as we've held it for 10 years. Um, and we were thinking about two and a half days on site with parallel sessions and coffee under the oak trees. Uh, and of course, that all disappeared um, very quickly. We decided in the end on this format that, uh, that we've had 20 sessions, one a day um, for the month of July, kind of in honor of 2020. Uh, at one point, we were thinking of calling it 20 by 20. Um, but that didn't quite work out. But nevertheless, we had that, ki- that, that format. Um, and of course, there are downsides. I mean, we do, it's not as connected. It's not that you can't just linger over a long, um, slow conversation with somebody. But certainly there have been upsides. Um, it's been easier to bring in people from around the world. In the opening session, uh, just about a month ago, I asked where people were from and I asked them to put that in the chat. And it was extraordinary how many people how many countries we had represented from across the continent, across um, the world. But of course, here in Africa, we do have to note that bandwidth is still an issue. And that is a problem for a conference that aims to be Radio Days, Africa. Unfortunately, a couple of times we had connectivity issues, which prevented the full participation of some of our speakers. And that's of course something we will have to be that we will have to think about. Um, There are many other things, and uh, we'll be looking at uh, the feedback forms that people have filled in. We'll be looking at the stats. Zoom gives us a lot of really interesting data behind the scenes, and we'll look at what's there. And I'd like to invite everyone who's here to give us further feedback if you have it. It's been fantastic. We've had 62 speakers across the month, five moderators, and here's a really great number. We've had 2,800 attendances. So that's a lot of people in the room over the course um, of the month. Of course, I mean, as, you know, sub- various people as we've seen in the chat have come to more than one session and that's also good, but that's a big number, 2,800 um, attendances. And in a sense, I suppose the event in this form speaks exactly to the strengths of radio. Radio is fantastic in a crisis. It's resilient, it speaks to people, it fits into places. Um, it's the place that people turn to, we've seen in you know, radio around the world has seen a surge in audience. Um, and you know the numbers that I've just mentioned have also showed that you know, people have come to the conference in numbers. Um, it builds and keeps community. And I suppose that's also what we've done over the course of the past months. We've built um, and we've retained uh, this community of radio people on the continent and further afield. People need and look for connection, particularly at a time of crisis. And I think the conference, as radio itself, shows how that works, how that really, um, how we can speak to that. And then finally, the energy and the people and the creativity have just been wonderful. I mean, that's been shown in this last panel and so many others. There's so much going on out there. There are so many people thinking and talking about it um, and passionate about this medium that is so old and so new. I need to say a great thanks to everyone involved. I need to say thanks to the, pa- the panellists over the course of the month who've, who've um, given us their time and their insights um, and shared their, their experiences. Thanks to, to the moderators. There were five of us who, who moderated the, ses- the sessions. Um, of course, a great thanks to all the attendees, everybody who came. Um, a particular thanks to conference director Tim Zunkel and his backroom team, Frank Zeppo Henel and others, uh, who kept the wheels turning. Technically, I've loved the graphics that have been that we've shared on social media and on these, these uh, in these sessions. I thought that they were really, really nice. Um, and of course, a thanks to our partners and supporters, without whom uh, we couldn't have done this. The National Association of Broadcasters is a long-standing partner of the WITS Radio Academy um, and the event. Uh, RCS, uh, Abundant Media, who've helped us with rebroadcasting on community radio stations. I'll say that again. I mean, some of these sessions are being and have been broadcast live and to some extent in a delayed form on community radio stations across South Africa. Uh, thanks to Crossfade. And a particular thanks to our anchor, sponsor, and supporter, the Konrad Admawa Stiftung, the Sub-Saharan African... Media program of the foundation who have supported this conference right from the beginning um, contacted us at the beginning of the year and said, What are you going to do? There's COVID, it allowed us some space to think and come up with some ideas, and stuck with us into this new format. We'll have discussions, we'll learn from it. But thanks to everyone. It's been great, it's been a great ride. Let's keep the conversation going on social media and elsewhere. Um, and we look forward to next year to the new normal. Thank you so much, Pop. Thank you to everyone who joined us. Thank
1: you for watching and listening to Radio Days Africa 2020.
0: Thank you for joining this Radio Days Africa session. Click to watch or download the podcast. That was the Radio Days Africa podcast brought to you by the Vitz Radio Academy.